you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. It is a Wednesday, which means we got a lot going on today. Welcome to NFL Now, NFL Network from our newsroom in Los Angeles. My name is Andrew Siciliano. Coming up, we'll preview the kickoff on week number six, the Bears, the Commanders in Chicago. Also, we'll tell you why, as of now, we do not know when the Seahawks and the Cardinals will kick off Sunday afternoon. We begin with Dallas and Dak Prescott's thumb. It's going to be Cooper Rush for the Cowboys Sunday night in Philadelphia. Mike McCarthy pretty much made that clear this afternoon. But this is an image from James Slater's Twitter of Dak Prescott throwing left-handed. Remember, he's a righty. We didn't flip the negative here. Left-handed in the portion of practice open to the media today. A portion of practice. Hi there, Jane. That McCarthy had said earlier that Prescott would do some light throwing. But they didn't let you... And the media see him throw and see how the ball came out of his hand with his busted up right thumb. No, and it took me a second to realize that, Andrew, because he was off to the left side of where we stand in the media. And then I turned to one of the media members. I said, wait a minute, why is he throwing with his left hand? And I think we all concluded that there's a little gamesmanship here, yes, but also as he starts throwing for the first time since the injury back on September 11th, I don't think they want us necessarily breaking down those throws or making assumptions about where uh, that thumb is at or when he's going to play. It certainly isn't as optimistic as Jerry Jones led us to believe. It was Mike McCarthy today who said that they are preparing to move forward with this game uh, for Cooper Rush being their starter. Uh, he said, look, this is a 17-game uh, season, and you've got to trust the medical process. And ultimately, he knows that Dak Prescott doesn't like hearing that, but they just want to make sure that he's good to go when he does come back. And by the way, you've got a quarterback right now in Cooper Rush who's now won four straight, one on the road last week against the defending Super Bowl champ. So we'll let you know later this week if we get to see any more of the throwing, but the throwing with the right hand, his throwing shoulder, uh, that's not going to happen, at least to us today, because that was during the closed portion of media. All right, Dak Prescott can throw with his left hand, just likely shouldn't do it in a game. He prefers his right, and the right isn't ready this week against Philadelphia. The next two weeks, it's the Bears, I'm sorry, the Lions and the Bears at home before the bye. Thank you, Jane Slater, live there on the Dak beat in Dallas. Let's get our insiders in here. Mike Garofolo, Ian Rappaport, and get to the story I was referring to. Hi there, guys, at the top of the show. That is, we still don't know what time the Cardinals and Seahawks will kick off on Sunday. Ian, they're supposed to kick off at 4 Pacific. I'm sorry, 1 Pacific, 4 Eastern. Uh, but that could change because of baseball. 
Yeah, football actually moving out of the way of baseball. I don't see that very often and you know, a lot of snarky responses. Oh, I guess Seattle is a baseball town. It's the playoffs. It's a little different. Plus, the stadiums are literally next door to each other. So here's what's going on. The Seahawks game, which originally scheduled, as you mentioned, for 4 p.m. Eastern time, is going to be played an hour and a half later, 5.30 Eastern time, if there is a game four of the ALDS. Because you can't get into a stadium uh, with two games going on right around similar times, and it just logistically can't happen. So they would move it back an hour and a half, which means that game would overlap uh, a little bit with some of the late games and be in kind of a weird window, and then you wouldn't get to do it on red zone, but whatever. I think we'd all be fine with that. If there is no game four of the LDS, then literally nothing happens. It's back at 4 p.m. Pacific. All right. And you might not know until maybe 5 o'clock local on Saturday. Right now, the Astros won game one, but the Astros could win game two, and then the Mariners could win on some walk-off in 15 innings, right, on Saturday night, and then they have to scramble. So everyone is, uh, is waiting for the M's here. And the Giants, Mike, are waiting for their punter because he was stuck in London for a couple of days. Yes, the Scottish hammer, uh, the Jamie Gillen, stuck in London because of passport issues. I don't mean to laugh about it, but it sounds like it's going to have uh, a reasonable ending here and definitely a quick ending here as all strings that the Giants could pull were pulled. And uh, so Gillen is going to be, I love the music. This is fantastic. Gillen is going to be on his way back to the United States after spending, <laughs> what, three extra days in London, spending time with his family uh, while he was killing time, while that uh, passport issue was resolved. Now, the Giants apparently knew about this ahead of time. Uh, he had an old passport. And he never uh, got it updated. He came on, uh, I forget how Pelissero explained it. it I don't know the political NATO aspects of it, but the long and short of it. The NATO, I felt like it was a NATO passport, but like off the top of my head, that didn't sound right. But yeah, it's a NATO passport. And so he was having issues coming back, but they've been resolved so the Giants will have the Scottish hammer that was the expectation now they were supposed to work out punters anyway tomorrow but he's on his way back tonight so that very well may have been called off uh, but the long and short of it is the Giants will have their punter that is the full expectation for Sunday's game against the Ravens. Uh, we, we've always heard uh, whether it's football baseball basketball sometimes hockey passport issues players leaving the U.S. I don't know that I remember an issue where a player wasn't allowed back in the country that's what the Giants are dealing with now, but help is on the way. All right, in Baltimore, help is on the way also, Mike, with some defensive injuries. Guys that are getting back on the field. Guys that are coming back from Achilles tendon tears. Uh, David Ojabo and Tyus Bowser returning to practice uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Ojabo, remember, tore his Achilles, unfortunately, during a pro day. Now he does have experience having played for Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator uh, at Michigan. So the hope is that physically, if he can get himself up to speed quickly, mentally, he should be fine and ready to go and contribute here at some point in his rookie season. Uh, and as for Bauer, Bowser, he tore his Achilles in the last game of last season. So you know, this is about the timeline that you'd expect guys to be coming back from Achilles tendon tears. They are back on the field. This is a defense that could use more help uh, and the ability to maybe get to the passer or do whatever you need to do from the linebacker position. Well, there you go. Two guys on their way back. There you go. Hey, Ian, sneaky good game in Atlanta this Sunday. 49ers-Falcons. What's Kyle Pitt's status there for uh, Arthur Smith? 
Yeah, I would say a little bit of a surprise last week when Kyle Pitts did not practice, did not play, uh, dealing with a hamstring injury that sounded like he'd been nagging him for a little bit. Uh, not like an injury, but just kind of bothering him. Well, he was out at practice today, working with the first team, according to uh, D. Orlando Ledbetter on the scene, which is good. My understanding is this was expected to be just a one-week injury. So for Kyle Pitts to miss a game, you know, all this discussion about why was he not out of routes and why was he, you know, being held in as a blocker, maybe this is why. Maybe he needed to get right a little bit. The week off, they believe, got him right. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him back on the field this week. All right, the Niners have a bunch of injuries as well. Try to update them a little bit later as they are spending the week in West Virginia rather than flying all the way back west before turning around and going to Atlanta. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Mike. They meet again. Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And they go deep. They've got a man. Wow. These two are playing at such a high level. Down the middle. It's Hill. Kansas City takes the lead with a minute to go. Down the middle to the end zone. And there it is. Wow. Holy Mahomes gets you in an easy field goal ring. I mean, this is unbelievable. 49 yards to send it to overtime. As the tail. Tail. Tails is the call. This feels huge, right, with how good these offenses are? Looking to the end zone for the win! He caught it! This is just unfathomable. The Bills had won this game, and Patrick Mahomes comes out there and shows the world, I'm still here. Romo's voice is still this high. After that game, which many of us thought was the best we had ever seen last year, when the Chiefs had overtime knocked the Bills out of the playoffs. Look at these numbers. Mahomes, offensive numbers there for the Chiefs. Von Miller and that defense. Pretty, pretty good, Sean McDermott. I just think, uh, yes, they're a really good team. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, they've been there for a long time. You know, Andy Reid coached football teams win, and they win often, and they sustain it. And uh, they're really tough at home. Um, as we know, we've been out there a number of times now. Um, you know, they've got real, a really good roster as well, very deep, um, talented players, playmakers at a lot of the positions, as you saw Monday night. And, um, and you got to prepare for, uh, for four quarters of football uh, and sometimes longer. So a uh, really good opponent. We have a lot of respect for them. Um, you know, so we'll have a practice today and get out there and, and get ourselves ready to go. And the big 425 Eastern Time CBS window on Sunday, the game that we have been waiting for. James Palmer is going to be there. Bucky Brooks, good to see you, Bucky, back with us as well. James, it's the number two total defense in the NFL here that Leslie Frazier has, and that defense is getting a little healthier, which would help against Patrick Mahomes. It does, and it helps when your defensive line is healthy, a spot that they've invested so much in, Andrew. And they were dominant last week when they were all healthy for the first time this season up front. And the Bills, no matter who's been playing up there, don't really blitz as a defense really at all. And we know what happens if you do blitz Patrick Mahomes. He usually burns you, but they get pressure from the inside. They get it from the outside from Gregor Russo or, or Vaughn Miller. And we saw on Monday night when the Raiders didn't really blitz Patrick Mahomes early and they were getting home with three. They were getting home with four. And then Travis Kelsey's impact actually affected their pass rushers. And we'll see if that does anything to the pass rushers of the Bills 
on Sunday because they started moving Max Crosby outside of Patrick, outside of Travis Kelsey and trying to chip him at the line of scrimmage. When I, when I talked to some of the guys, Bucky, within the Chiefs, they were curious going, why are you moving these great pass rushers that were effective in the first half farther away from our quarterback to try to impact Travis Kelsey? They, they just really didn't understand what the Raiders were doing. We'll see what that defensive line up front and the Bills decide to do to try to slow down Travis Kelsey, but at the same time with all of them healthy, it's a little bit easier, easier to go after Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, no, it's interesting about the Buffalo Bills, and we can talk about their defense because defense has to step up. But this is a personal game for the Buffalo Bills, and I can equate it to when I was with the Green Bay Packers in the mid-90s and the Dallas Cowboys were the bully on the block. It was an obsession to finally knock them off and to get to that point. But the Buffalo Bills have to be careful. They can't try and knock out the Kansas City Chiefs in the first quarter. All that anxiety, all that anxiousness and enthusiasm to ready to get after it, it can wear them down. This has to be a game where Sean McDermott stands in front of the team and says, slowly but surely, we have to methodically knock out the champion. Slowly but surely, throwing jazz before you throw the haymaker, we cannot try to knock him out in the first quarter. If we do that, we're going to punch ourselves out, and the Kansas City Chiefs will come back and get them in the end. This has to be a full 60-minute effort for the Buffalo Bills to be able to get this dub against the Kansas City Chiefs. Absolutely. And let's get back to the Chiefs side of thing here, things, James. Obviously, all this attention on Chris Jones after you know the roughing the passer call on Monday night. There are other guys on that defense, um, including number... 32, who's a pretty special guy. And Nick Bolton should start getting some attention league-wide, Andrew, what he's doing at the middle linebacker spot. He's tied for ninth in the NFL in tackles, but nobody sitting above him on that list has more sacks or tackles for loss. And they really believe he is a tackling machine. Andy Reid said it after Monday night's game. He said it was just, it was unbelievable. I don't think there's a better tackler in the NFL than Nick Bolton. And what they've seen now in his second year as he runs this entire defense is the coaching staff, and I've talked to them, believe he has a photographic memory. He sees things once, recognizes them and then he's able to do it and they use that and he uses that for his anticipation pre-snap where they believe he is very effective and Bucky the reason I bring this up is you have to have a sure tackler in the middle of the field when you're going against Josh Allen and he starts to carry the football he's led the Bills in rushing four of their five games and he is a big bodied player that you're going to try to take down it might be Nick Bolton that's very important about what he sees in Josh Allen carrying the football and his ability to make tackles to where they don't have extended plays with Josh Allen which we've seen running yeah no that's a big part of it I'm glad that you put a little spotlight on Nick Bolton he's been one of the best players that we've seen on defense for the Kansas City Chiefs and he probably deserved to go a little higher in the draft when he came out but for the Kansas City Chiefs their best defense might be their offense, meaning Andy Reid has to maybe lean into the running game. And I feel like I say this all the time, but because they don't have the explosive element, it may need to be a little more ball control because right now when you look at these teams, the Buffalo Bills are the far more explosive offense. So that might mean a little more running, a little more screen game, a little more eight, nine, 10 play drives to keep Josh Allen and company on the sideline because as much as I want to see a shootout for the Kansas City Chiefs, they may not want to get in a shootout with this explosive Buffalo Bills team. This might be a little different for Kansas City to play a little half-court basketball and instead of fast-breaking like they normally like to do against these teams. And going back to Nick Bolton real quick for those who said, wait a minute, he wears 32 now? Yes, he did switch his number after Tyron Matthew left in the offseason. Nick Bolton, one of four Chiefs defenders with at least two sacks. Thank you, James. Thank you, Bucky. Coming up next, do you like underdogs? Uh, Nick 
Shook does. And I'm not going to mess his name up next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. NFL Now, NFL Network, getting ready for the Dolphins and the Vikings coming up on Sunday and getting ready for Skylar Thompson, likely at quarterback. But the good news is Tua Tungavailoa is back on the field today, still in concussion protocol, timeline uncertain, but he's not going to play this week. This video shot by our Cam Wolf, vertically, obviously favoring Instagram over Twitter. Cam with us live now from Miami. Cam, what do we know about Tua's status? Yeah, Andrew, today was actually Tua Tungavailoa's first time on the field since that scary concussion nearly two weeks ago against the Bengals. And he ran onto the field with a wide smile, dapping up teammates, joking around with his quarterback coach, Daryl Bevel. And he looked like normal Tua as far as his personality and his vibe. And Mike McDaniel made clear today that Tua will not play Sunday versus the Vikings. He's progressed enough in the concussion protocol that he's able to get on the field. He was able to throw today. He was able to go through stretch and individual drills and as I watched him during practice he he put his hands up when he went to the throwing session and said hey I want the ball and uh, he deferred to Skylar Thompson as you mentioned who will be the expected week six starting quarterback Mike McDaniel said today but he also threw 20-25 passes today he threw him up to 30 yards on the field and he looked good as a quarterback now the team is still being cautious with him and he'll have to clear the protocol to be able to get to full activity but this is a good sign for Tua good sign from the Dolphins I was walking around the team locker room today and just hearing from people about the importance of Tua being back on the field and for the Dolphins they will move forward with Skylar Thompson as their starting quarterback McDaniel said Teddy Bridgewater who was actually out at practice with trainers today he is still progressing through that protocol the hope is that Thursday he will be able to participate in a limited base Basis. But even if Teddy clears protocol by Friday or Saturday, McDaniel told me today that he would be the backup for Skylar Thompson. So the Dolphins will start their rookie seventh round pick Skylar Thompson for his first career start against the Vikings. Guy who came in off the bench and played the overwhelming majority of that game this past Sunday when Bridgewater was taken off the field on the first possession of the game for the Dolphins. Thank you. That's Cam Wolf live in Miami. We'll check in on them in a little bit. Now let's check in on some underdogs in a game of the AFC South is how we're going to start with Nick Shook, who is all shook up. And I'm not messing up Nick's name because it is a tongue twister with the name of this segment. Hi, Nick. Uh, Colts and Jaguars. Let's do that one. This game is in Indianapolis and DraftKings has the Jaguars as the underdog here. What do you like about Jacksonville in this one? Trevor Lawrence has taken a step back in the last two weeks. Some might say he's even regressed, but if there's a team that I like him to get back on track against, it's the team that the Jaguars have already beaten in shutout fashion earlier this season. Now, the Colts bring a strong defense into this matchup, but I have almost no confidence in their offense. And if I have to put a matchup between these two teams, I'm going to take the Jaguars defense, which can be punchy, and their offense that needs to get back on track, but is also coordinated by Doug Peterson. I'm going to take them over a Colts offense that's dead last in scoring and 24th in total offense. 
I trust Peterson to figure things out with his quarterback to get him back to where he was in the first month or so of the season and, and kind of restart this Jaguars train moving forward and get that sweep of the Colts. Another year, Nick, in which your favorite team, the Browns, plays Bill Belichick former head coach in the Patriots. This time, the game is in Cleveland, where Belichick and the Patriots are an underdog, according to DraftKings. But you like them. Well, because I don't like the Browns' defense whatsoever. I was going to say, <laughs> it's, it's is this a pro-Belichick or a they-can't-tackle thing? Yeah, it's that. It's okay. that. They can't tackle. You don't know if they're going to be good against the pass or going to be good against the, or the run or bad against both. Last week, it was bad against both. Early in the season, it was the pass, and then it was the run. They're 19th in total defense, and they're 28th in rushing defense. This is a Patriots offense that's in the top 10 in rushing. Ramondre Stevenson just set a career high for carries and yards last week. So I don't care if it's Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi playing quarterback. It doesn't matter to me because if it's a close one, which every Browns game except for the Thursday night game against the Steelers has been, well, then the Patriots are probably going to have an opportunity to rip off a big play against this defense. And that's why I'm confident in them going to Cleveland, where Bill Belichick has had plenty of success in the past. Yeah, if you go back to the TNF game you're referring to, which allegedly wasn't close, it actually could have been close, but the onside kick, well, almost happened. All right, NFC East, Sunday night, Cowboys with Cooper Rush. Mike McCarthy says, are underdogs, according to DraftKings, on the road against undefeated Philadelphia, but you, you kind of like the Cowboys here. Well, Mike McCarthy said last week, we're nobody's underdogs. And then he went out and backed that up. His team riding that defense, got a win over the Rams, made me look good too. So I'm going to double down with them and stick with them again against a much better offense in the Eagles. But it is a rivalry game. And you know how those tend to go. You throw the records out between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And, and the Cowboys do have a history of getting after Jalen Hurts. He's got a three to four touchdown interception ratio against the Cowboys as a starter. Passer rating below 80. Now that's not a huge sample size. But that's way below than where they are right now, which is the number two offense. They're top 10 in every category, except for sacks allowed. So if I'm going to bank on one of these two teams getting a win and a close one, I'm going to go with a team that's got the really good defense, even though the Eagles defense is also good. Let's go with the Cowboys again. We are going to talk for hours, I know, on this network, hours before the Bills and the Chiefs about that colossal playoff rematch from a year ago. For the first time in Patrick Mahomes' history, the era, if you will, of him at quarterback for the Chiefs. They are home underdogs here to the Bills, according to DraftKings. You like the home team. It speaks to the power of the Bills, but I also think there's a psychological factor that we may be ignoring because we know how the Bills season has ended the last couple of years with a loss to Kansas City in Kansas City. This time they're in Orchard Park. Well, you know, maybe not, but it, it's, it's kind of, it doesn't matter based on setting what's going to happen here because I still trust Patrick Mahomes more than I trust anybody else at quarterback not named Tom Brady to win a game like this. It's a legitimate toss-up, let's be honest. The Bills' offense is explosive, their defense has been a revelation, but again, the psychological factor matters, and I think that the Chiefs' ability to beat the Bills when it matters most, well, it's certainly going to inspire the Bills, and it might just lead this Chiefs' offense, which does not lean on one or two players anymore, can spread the ball around tremendously as they did against the Raiders, I think they're going to end up coming out on top. Nick Shook every week has his underdogs. NFL.com slash underdogs. Nick, uh, root for the underdog Friday night or Thursday night at Yankee Stadium. Thank you, Nick. Coming up, oh yeah, we have buys this week. There are four teams on buys. So if you don't have Cooper Cup on your team, who should you be picking up? We'll tell you straight ahead. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And we'll see the Bears run it on Thursday. Get to Chicago in a second. In the meantime, a bunch of buys this week. So, you know what? Time to restock the fantasy roster. You may not have these players on your team. Maybe you need a quarterback this week. If so, what do you think, Claybon? It's Wednesday in the fantasy football world, so you know what that means. Time to pay attention to the waiver wire. Cynthia, who do people need to go get right now? If you need a quarterback, maybe you have someone on a bye, go get Geno Smith. Why? He gets a very good matchup this week. I mean, look, you're watching the Saints video. He threw three touchdowns against the Saints defense. That's ridiculous. Now he gets the Arizona Cardinals, who is a much more favorable, generous even, to opposing quarterbacks. And he's available in 73.5% of NFL.com leagues, so you can probably get him. I think one of the biggest positions of need is at the tight end spot. And I'm going to be looking at Hayden Hurst this week. He has receiving touchdowns. In back-to-back games, he is tied for second on the team with six red zone targets, led the team in receiving yards against Baltimore in week five. And with an injury to T. Higgins, he could see his role increase this week. I think Kenneth Walker is someone you should be really aggressive after on the waiver wire. He's third amongst running backs in yards per rush at over six right now. And last year in college, he led all running backs in missed tackles force and was second in explosive plays behind only Malik Willis. He's going to get a lot of volume on an offense that's playing much better than we expected, Geno Smith included. So I I say go and get another Seahawk, add Kenneth Walker this week. I want to give you guys another streaming option at quarterback, and that is Justin Fields, who's seen his scoring increase week after week. Had a solid performance in the second half against the Minnesota Vikings, and now it's a commander's team that's in the bottom 10 in scoring against quarterbacks. So have Justin Fields this week. Maybe keep an eye on playing him more in the future. All right, so that's a look at the waiver wire. If you want to look at more fantasy football information, come with us. Watch the show weeknights right here every single night, Monday through Friday, right here on NFL Network. We're going to have a show tomorrow featuring All Orange in Chicago. Two and a half weeks before Halloween, they're going All Orange against the Commanders, who, by the way, will have Carson Wentz. The shoulder is okay. I don't want to go in depth about Thursday Night Football and this, that, and the other. I will say it is physically by far the hardest week of the season. I mean, it is not even close in my opinion. Um, you wake up Monday morning and you're like, holy crap, i got to play in three days. You know, and um, it's hard. It's hard on our bodies. It's hard on, on those things. And anytime it's a head injury especially, that's very concerning. But, um, you know, it's our job. This is what we do. And uh, we find a way to get out there Thursday night and hopefully uh, deliver. We have protocols. Uh, we've got renewed protocols. We have to follow them, and we have to be very diligent about that. And I, I think, you know, if you want to do anything, you, 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 you can put it on the, the, the league. You can put it on the team. You can put it on the NFLPA. But the player also has to be honest and upfront. You know, you can't hide anything. You, you can't try to figure out how I can cheat through my way through it. This is about health and safety, and, and we have to put it on our individual selves to make sure that those things are, are followed and done properly. And, you know, and, and if not and something happens, there's got to be accountability. 
And obviously health and safety is certainly a factor here for any team on any night, including on Thursday night. Mike Giardi is live in Chicago at Hallis Hall as we get ready for this one and try to look big picture on Ron Rivera's team, Mike. Uh, there are some divisions, let's say, where one win has you only a game and a half back if you're Houston at a first place, two, two back, whatever. In the NFC East, the one-win commanders um, are in trouble. Yeah, Andrew, that's a good way to put it. In the immediate aftermath of their latest loss, their fourth in a row, Ron Rivera was asked, is it time to panic? And he said, for you, to the reporter, maybe, but not for me. And that's been his message to the players this week, saying, essentially, guys, we've had good practices. We have the pieces in place, but we need to take what we're doing on the practice field and let it translate to the game field. And it's just tightening up the details just a little bit. I talked to Jonathan Allen, their terrific defensive tackle, and he said he's been preaching to his guys, you've got to control what you can control. And he said, look, I've been around teams that have gone in the wrong direction. And he said, when panic sets in, your season is over. So again, a message from a, one of the leaders, Terry McLaurin said, look, we understand what's in the room. We have confidence in what's in the room, but we tighten up those defaults, this, the self-inflicted penalties. They had seven penalties, or rather nine penalties for 71 yards in the last game. You, you can't do that. They fumbled four snaps. The center quarterback exchange wasn't good. Those are the sorts of things that make the difference in winning and losing close games. Right, and right now that one Washington win, I'm pulling it up right now, was not even in the division. No, it was in the division. They beat the Giants here, so at least they have that in hand. Um, let's get back to Carson Wentz here. Mike, uh, um, he has put up, if you're playing fantasy, some, some really good numbers. It's not always winning football, however. Yeah, and Carson Wentz, I think, has handled this week. And as we talk about, I guess you want to call it a controversy, if you will, Rivera's comments about the quarterback position, which, of course, yesterday he walked back and said, I just didn't finish my thought. That's on me. I should know better. But Wentz has dealt with that very well, I thought. And in his press conference yesterday, when just talking about the team in general, he said it's really about consistency, not just for me, but for the entire team. And it's the little things that we have to clean up. And he said, look, and I have to make certain throws. And there's been a couple of games where I've had throws to make and I haven't made them. You know, tightening up on third down, they were one of 11 on third down in that game last week. But he projected a lot of confidence this week. And I know in talking to the players in that locker room, through the phone this uh, this week, you know that they said, "Hey, we believe in Carson. We've got his back. We understand that this is a process. He's new to this team. It's just been five games, but they say they have faith in him." And I thought he carried himself very well this week. Want to clean one thing up? I was looking at last year's schedule. The one Washington win came <laughs> week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are still not in the NFC East. <laughs> Thank you, Mike Giardi. It's all right, Andrew. Chicago in the NFC North there ahead of Thursday night football keeping it in the NFC North no practice today for Aaron Rodgers Matt LaFleur on the podium moments ago said it's a thumb injury but it is not any concern for Sunday LaFleur said they're just giving Rodgers a day to rest he should be good to go for the Packers and the Jets at Lambeau Odell Beckham Jr. was here in L.A. when the Rams unveiled their championship banner and held up the Lombardi before losing to the Bills. He is still, however, not yet ready to return to football. Ian Rappaport reported this past Sunday that he's looking at mid-November. Odell is on Twitter this morning clapping back at some people suggesting, why don't you just go back to the Rams right now? He, he said the offer necess isn't necessarily there. 
Despite the fact that so many of us, I'm not going to read the whole thing. You could read it. Look it up at OBJ. So many of us just assume he's going to go back to the Rams because the Rams, I think, for months have felt comfortable that they have a good relationship, Judy Batista, and that it would work one of these days. Where do you think is the best fit? I still think the Rams are the best fit for OBJ. First of all, he went in there and was super productive. He was a force in the NFC Championship game. He seemed to have almost instant rapport with Matthew Stafford. He was a great system fit. They also could use him. They're missing Van Jefferson. He would be a great, reliable weapon on the other side from Cooper Cup. And I would just say this, he is coming off a major injury. If you're coming off a major injury, you know he's not going to go to a team that's not a contender or with a great quarterback. Why wouldn't you want to return to a team that you already know the system, you already know the personnel, you already know the coach will put you in a position for success? I know OBJ says the offer wasn't there, but I still think when the time comes, the Rams are the best landing spot. What do you say yeah, about no, I think OBJ should go to the Rams. When you think about what the Rams have to offer, it's the system, it's the familiarity, it's a coaching staff that found a way to elevate his game after he was languishing in Cleveland. Yeah, to me, it's the best fit. But Odell has a point. The money has to be right. The money especially has to be right now that he's seen the Rams struggle and become one-dimensional with Cooper Cup. In the end, I think the Rams will be where he ends up because it makes too many, too much sense on all different aspects from the Rams standpoint and all from OBJ standpoint. I remember when they signed OBJ last year, it was, it was so odd because Robert Woods ended up getting hurt right after that. And then here's OBJ and he just fit in perfectly all the way into the Super Bowl where he looked like he was going to be the guy that was going to dominate that game until the injury. The fit is perfect. He loves L.A. It's a great system. He trusts the quarterback. He doesn't mind being number two to Cooper Cup. I don't think anybody would. So he, he loves the role right there. The money might come around. The Rams have always found a way to fit guys in. You know, regardless of what the cap and all these other things are, they find a way. And so I still think that's the best fit. And you could project in all these other places. And do they have the quarterback? Will he be patient with them? Will he fit in? Like, you know the fit is the right fit in Los Angeles. I think the other thing, too, is tomorrow's eight months to the day from the injury. The guy is not yet ready to play football. And I think you also have to no. question, and this goes to the price tag as well, if he is ready mid-November, is he effective in mid-November? These things take time. All the injury things. happened February 13th. Judy, Baldy, Bucky, thank you all. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.